that's a blessing. Amen. You think of the potential right there. Amen. And uh, that's, that's that's good singing, and uh, it's good to be back here again. I love Sunday night church. Uh, thank you for putting up with me this month uh, in the institute three nights, and then uh, all, last Sunday and this Sunday. So that's a little unusual. I don't think I've ever done that. <coughs> Uh, church other than Moraine Heights can't remember doing that uh, so uh, thank you for I appreciate the invitation of your pastor and he and uh, you all letting me come and it's been an honor I mean that <coughs> now, thank you uh, for uh, putting up with me and uh, y'all a uh, great church great preacher uh, got wonderful friends here it's uh, how, how pleasant it is when brethren draw together in unity you know in the family of God you know we uh, we call each other brother and sister for a reason. Well, that, that's what they are to us, a family. And uh, you all are family and, uh, to us, and we appreciate it. Got my better half, Diana's here. I married her in 1981. Amen, right back there. <coughs> and uh, she's the, the brains of the outfit, I can promise you. Amen. And, uh, the, uh, but it's uh, every now and then she will go with me. And it's always, uh, it's always good when uh, that works out. She's so busy at Marine Heights, it's hard for her to get away. And uh, so, uh, but it's, uh, she slipped off, uh, slipped off tonight. Well, it's good to be here. And uh, let's, uh, I've already got a blessing out of it. Amen. We could say amen and go home right now. And it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. I mean that. Uh, the, uh, I will be, Lord willing, preaching a meeting with Brother Slee down at Hope. Baptist, uh, it's coming up this spring, I forget exactly when, I, I'm wanting to say the first week of May, but I could be off, but uh, I know the very wonderful relationship there you all have with them, and uh, uh, join us in prayer for that meeting, would you do that, uh, it'll be a week's revival, and uh, when nothing is happening here, if you can slip down, I, I'm sure that would be great, if something is happening here, then if you're a member here, you need to be here, see how that works out, just really good, you know, uh, but sometimes we can slip away. And uh, that's uh, whether you can pray, whether that's possible or uh, or or not. All right, take your Bibles, Isaiah 40 and verse number eight. <coughs> Most of you can quote that one, but uh, let's look at it anyway. Isaiah 40 and uh, verse number uh, number eight. Uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, passage in the Word of God. The uh, Isaiah is like a little Bible. You ever notice that? You know, there's two parts, like an Old and a New Testament. There's two parts of Isaiah. And uh, there's uh, th 39, 27, uh, 39 chapters in one, and then 27 in the next. And uh, so just like the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Uh, so uh, that's, uh, you say, what should I do with that? You just think it's interesting. <laughs> but uh, it is kind of fascinating, isn't it? Uh, but it is a wonderful book. And uh, we're going to look and talk about the Word of God tonight. Uh, it's, uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 8. Uh, Isaiah said, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I'm glad we can say that. Amen. There's a lot of people that have the wrong God and they can't say that. Because their books won't stand forever. But because we have the right God, then the word of our God can stand forever and it, and it will. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we hold it in our hand. Uh, Lord, infallible and inerrant, preserved, uh, Lord, in our language, we praise you for that. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, tonight you'd help us, uh, Lord, to uh, uh, just once again, Lord, to thank you for it, uh, to be more resolved than ever before, to stand upon it. Uh, Lord, help us to realize that we don't need to rewrite it, we need to reread it. And uh, Lord, we don't need to criticize it, we need to let it criticize us. 
Uh, Lord, we don't need to preach or teach about it. We just, as Paul told Timothy, we need to preach the word, to sing the word. And Lord, uh, I, I pray that, uh, Lord, tonight as we be one lost, that they'd be saved. And Lord, to each one of us who have been saved, Lord, just a, a little while and these lights will be off. This room will be very quiet and dark and still. And when that happens, I pray, Lord, that you will have been pleased with what's happened here. Lord, I pray again for uh, requests that we've heard. Uh, Lord, a voice from this spot of uh, uh, folks dear and precious that are ill and facing things in their life. And uh, Lord, even though many of those cannot be with us here in this room, Lord, I, I believe they're praying for us. And Lord, that you are with them. And uh, Lord, I pray that you just be close to them, encourage them, comfort them. Lord, uh, uh, Lord, uh, sometimes when they're by themselves at church time, it's a little lonely. And Lord, I pray they would sense your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We, uh, I believe that it is, uh, you cannot overestimate uh, how important it is, how critical it is, how essential it is uh, to be absolutely 100% convinced that the Bible that you hold in your hand is the very inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. 99.99% might be okay for ivory soap, but it's not okay with what our commitment needs to be to the Word of God. That has to be solid. If it is not, it's, it's the crack in the armor that is going to lead to innumerable problems down the road if you become to doubt, is that really what God said? When the, the, the serpent came into the garden, I mean, how many sermons have we all heard on that? And what did he say? Hath God said? You listen to me, anybody that puts a question mark on the Word of God is doing the work of the devil. Because that's exactly what the devil came on the scene doing. Did God really say that? Hath God said? And they're still saying that today. Is this truly the word of God? That uh, You might have heard Pastor Burke say we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration. Um, by verbal, he means every word. Every single word. Not just most of them, but every single word. When Brother Burke uses the word plenary, and I don't know if he says that a lot or not, but a lot of preachers do. If he says the verbal plenary inspiration, he means every word, and by plenary, the Latin word is plenus, and it means full. And what he means by that is that every word of, the God, of God is, is inspired. It's God-breathed uh, just as much absolutely as if God himself said it with his own mouth. And verbal means every word, plenus means fully, as in every word is fully inspired, and that all of the Bible is equally and fully inspired. If you were going to be on a desert island, could only have one book of the Bible, you, you might pick Romans, I could understand that. But Second Chronicles is just as inspired as the book of Romans is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. All scripture, A double L, every word, completely. I don't know how else to say it, but I think you get what I mean. And, and I believe that you all agree with me on that, but we need to be completely convinced of that. You think about what's hinging upon that conviction. Uh, your salvation depends upon it because the Bible says we're born again by the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1. Your sanctification, tried to preach on that a little bit this morning, 
how that we become more and more Christ-like. We're set apart from the world to Christ, that we become more like him as grace works in our lives and we mature in the faith. Your sanctification depends upon it. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Your usefulness to do something for God that really counts, it hinges upon what you think about the word of God. The Bible said again, study that shall thyself approved unto God a workman. Automatically, God is, Paul writing Timothy there, he's tying our work for the Lord to why are we doing it and the foundation of is this in fact really the very word of God. Your assurance depends upon it. You're never going to know you're surely saved and that you really have been born again because what we base that upon is what the Bible says. And now if you doubt the Bible, now you can't, be, you, you can't be sure about you're really saved because if you're getting it from the Bible, you're not sure about the Bible, now you're not sure you're really saved. Does that make sense? By the way, if that's bothering you, and so many people struggle with this, uh, if you're struggling with that, you're probably trying to feel saved. Uh, could I share something with you if you promise not to, not to tell anybody? Sometimes I don't feel saved. <laughs> I mean, you wake up, you got the flu, you're about to throw up, and oh, I forgot to pay Duke Energy, you know, and, and, and all these things go through your mind, and then some aunt calls you and wants to talk three hours on the phone, you know. Well, I'm sorry, I'm just not too hallelujah right now. You know what, you know what I mean? And, and listen, the, your feelings are the shallowest part of you. Salvation is the deepest work of God in you, and God does not do his deepest work in your shallowest part. Even though you may not feel saved sometimes, though you go back to the Bible, now that's what God says to do to be saved. I did that. I know I did my part. God won't lie, so I believe he did his part. And if I'm lost now, it's God's fault. Amen? Because I did what God said to do to be saved. That'll keep you going. You know what keeps me going and trying to, over the last, going on 50 years, trying to preach and pastor and all that stuff? There were so many times that what I was feeling wasn't going to work. I mean, it wasn't going to get the job done. What kept, helped, helped, what helped me, what, what helped me was not how I felt, but it was what I knew. What do I know? I didn't feel all that much like hollering hallelujah, but, but, I, but I, what did I know? And I know this is the word of God. I know he called me to preach. I know I'm doing his work. Now I get up and go ahead and do it anyway, whether I feel like it or not. And you know the old Curtis Hudson said, when you do that, the feelings come dragging along behind and say, hey, I want to join the party. Does that make sense at all to you? Do you understand what he's saying? You just do the right thing and feelings will catch up. But what separates us from animals is they pretty much got to do what they feel like. God gave you and me a will and we can say, no, I am going to do this because it is right. And how do I know it's right? It goes back to because that's what the Bible says. There are many, and, and this room is full of friends of the Word of God. I know that. I, I, I remember where I'm preaching. You say, preacher, you're going to preach to Episcopalians. Well, they have this bad habit of not inviting me to preach. <laughs> but, but anyway, that, we, we need to be rock solid on this. The Bible is forevermore coming under increased attacks, often from people that we thought was on our side. Hey, <laughs> you know, well, you know, you expect some heretic to say something, but brother so-and-so said something, you know. Uh, folks, it's, it's, you, there's some things you just got to call it a done deal and say, no, this is the word of God and nothing else is. Uh, they, 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 
It, it does make a difference. People say, well, it all says the same stuff. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I know a little bit about math, but not a lot. I know this, though. You change the numbers, you change the math. I am not a musician, I can assure you. I play a guitar a little bit. I know three chords, but you've got to tell me when to switch them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, C, D, G, you know, and I, then I, maybe I'll do a little bit. I, I don't know a lot about it, but I know you change the notes, you change the music. I know a little bit about languages, and you listen to me, you change the words, you change the meaning. And be careful about that. You take, and, and there's nobody here but us tonight, so let's talk. You, you take the, the new Schofield, the new King James, and people say, King James, we're good. Whoa. <gasps> if you got an old Schofield Bible that's got those columns on the side, that's everywhere where this changed the original. Thousands of them. You say, but they all say the same stuff. No, they don't. No, they don't. When Nebuchadnezzar came up and he looked into the fiery furnace and he saw four men walking and he said I see a fourth and one is like unto the what does your King James Bible say one like unto the son of God hallelujah <laughs> you got a new Schofield that says we're King James we just spruced it up a little bit you look it up it says one like unto a son of the gods little s little g plural sons one of the sons of the gods you're talking demonic. You're talking false gods. So you're comparing the king of glory and the son of God, God the son, or you're, comp you're comparing a demon or the demonic, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar li literally giving credit to the devil for what's happened. How in the world can there be a bigger difference than that? I am telling you two things. Even when the word King James is on both of them, you make sure it's the old King James, and you see something like new King James that keeps changing things. You listen. To, you say, well, what if that's the only thing? Isn't that reason enough to deny it if it makes a blunder like that one? <gasps> Amen? <gasps> well, you're narrow, aren't you? About that narrow. <laughs> right about there. Yeah, right that, right there. Yeah, yeah. That that narrow. And I'll happily die that narrow. That ever cost you some members? Yeah. That ever cost people to laugh at you? Yeah. That ever leave you off of the speaking list at a bunch of places? I'm sure it has. But you listen to me. I don't answer to any of them. I will answer to the God that called me to preach the word. <gasps> Amen? Teach the word, sing the word, share the word, read the word, believe the word. But you listen to me. We have to then know what is the word. Amen. There are many liberals, and the, the, your Bible you're holding your hands got a lot of enemies. One's the atheists, the, or the, the liberals. They want to water it down. They, they want. <laughs> they, 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 they have a problem with things like miracles. But, uh, you know, you listen to me. If you read Genesis one one, if you believe that, you got it made. <laughs> There's nothing else in the Bible to worry about now. They, they try to explain everything away. They said it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Weedy Sea. And that uh, the, Moses brought the children of Israel out and so they just kind of waded across and, 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 and went across because there was a shallow spot. Oh. And how are you going to drown all them soldiers in four inches of water? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I mean that kind of crazy. I've heard the little boy with five loaves and two fishes. I've, I've liberals have actually said, well, you know, that Jesus was there. They fed five thousand men plus the women and children, but uh, he, he obviously just gave a little taste to everybody. Five thousand. <laughs> 
plus women and children. Them was whoppers. <laughs> I mean, how big do them? Can you see a little boy bringing his lunch, pulling? I mean, uh, Charlie the tuna behind him. You know, five. You know, five and lo two fish and five loaves. Can you imagine what them loaves look like? I mean, I mean, you know. And, and and here he comes, and that's a little boy's lunch that his mama gave him. Oh, good night, Irene. You're mistaking ugly for stupid here. You're making a mistake. I might have been born at night, but it was not last night. I can promise you. Amen. Nonsense. Isn't it easy to believe it was five loaves and two fishes? It was a little fellow's lunch, but the king of kings got hold of it because that little guy put it in his hand. And, he found, and what's God telling you and me? That if we just give him what's in our hands, he can take it and multiply it to feed the spiritually hungry, both here and around the world, and satisfy that hunger that is in their souls. Don't let the devil rob you of that kind of a blessing. Don't let him do it. Or it hurts such nonsense. I think of the atheists. Bless their hearts. <laughs> oh, that's a joke. <laughs> they say nothing, nothing times nobody equals everything. <laughs> that's the weirdest math I ever heard of. I've always said everybody's got a holiday but them, and they just got left out, and I, I think they ought to get April 1st. <gasps> you know better than that. <gasps> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That just makes sense. That just makes sense. The cults. The Bible says in Psalm 56, 5, they rest the, my words. They twist them to their own destruction. They, they take them out of context. They, uh, you can, if you, if you want to take things out of context, text and read half a verse here and two-thirds of a verse there and four words out, out of over there, you can make the Bible say anything you want to make it say. But 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 what? But just read it, and it's English, and just take it in in context. Amen. When I started preaching, I promised God that I would never, on purpose, take anything out of context. And if I couldn't find a verse that said what I was wanting to preach on, if there's no verse in the Bible about that, I need to preach on something else. Anyway, Amen. You know, take it in in context. Some just disregard the Bible. They they just say it doesn't matter to us, and maybe a long time ago it meant something, but it doesn't mean anything now. Uh, they would rather look at their education and their money and their agencies and their personnel and all of their plans and all their resources and they just want to use that to reach people and fix everything. I feel like asking the question, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? I know what works is when a sinner understands that they're lost and undone and they invite Christ into their heart and they begin to read the old black book and they begin to following him. It's amazing how that takes care of drunkenness and that takes care of drugs and that takes care of immorality and that takes care of being a father or a mother or a child. That takes care of a satisfaction in their soul that they so needed for so very long. You listen to me, it works. It works. You don't have to fix it, it works, amen? Thank God for the old black book. But there's, a, there's, a, there's another crowd and, 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 and we need to be careful here. There's a fifth group, it seems to me, that are not the friends to this book that they ought to be. And they go to good churches, and they bring that book in, they just don't read it. They sit down, they might even look up a text when the preacher gives it. But the whole truth is, is they don't study it, and they don't love it, and they don't read it, and they don't obey it, and it does not guide their life. It's just kind of a religious artifact. <laughs> that you just carry to church to see your buddies 
and church becomes a country club instead of what it needs to be and and the Bible becomes just an ornament rather than the foundation and and that's where you and I need to be very careful that we never let that creep into our lives or into our churches does that make sense the uh, uh, lip service but not truly believing that this is truly the word of God Somebody said, These hath God married, and no man can part dust on the Bible and drought in the heart. And how true that is. I like that old poem, though the cover is worn, the pages are torn, the places bear traces of tears. Yet more precious than gold is this book, worn and old, that can shatter and scatter my fears. This old book is my guide. It's a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way. And each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. Amen? Thank God for the old black book. That's a, you have to say, I know that I know that I know. And let me say something real quick here. Folks, you all are a strong church that believes that this is the very word of God. And, and you need to thank God for that. Uh, there are many places where I started preaching that you would have felt right at home and would have been in agreement with everything you heard that are not like that today. And I want to ask you, what has changed? I can assure you it's not God. And I can assure you it's not the word of God. And that is a treasure that sadly is becoming rarer and rarer. And don't count that as a little small thing. There's, a, there's there, every version of the Bible. I never heard of NSV and NIV and somebody said HIV. And, <laughs> isn't that funny? You know? <laughs> and, and I, but you better watch out for them HIV Bibles. I'm telling you right now, you need to be careful. They're out there. Everything in the world. That, uh, uh, you've got Bibles out there, NIV and others. Literally, part, the translators, practicing homosexuals, practicing lesbians. Does that make a difference? It does to me. They, they come to passages where God called, you say, Brother Troll, don't you think they can be saved? I know they can be saved. And I know the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm with you, brother, but you listen to me. God called it an abomination. We need to love folks no matter what their sin is, but we never okay the sin. And what God called an abomination, we need to call it an abomination too. Virginia Mellencott worked on the NIV. She's a lesbian. You say, who said she's a lesbian? She did. <laughs> she did. You say, did she really? Yeah. Yeah, Episcopal publication called The Witness, June 1991, pages 20 to 23. She said she was a lesbian. You know, she said this about, listen to this. She said, the key thought here seems to be lust, unnaturalist, in verse 28, talking about the book of Genesis. But although the censure fits idolatrous people, and here you're talking about the, the New Testament, I'm sorry, with Paul, whom Paul was concerned, it does not seem to fit the case of a sincere homosexual Christian. This is the editor of the NIV. Such a person loves Jesus Christ and wants above all to acknowledge God in all of life. <laughs> then why not acknowledge that God is right about your sin? And yet, for some unknown reason, feels drawn to someone of the same sex. For the sake of love rather than lust. Back to ugly but not stupid. <gasps> Is it fair to describe that person as lustful? Yes. <laughs> yes. See. How do you say yes in German? Uh, you know, yes. Why? Because that's what God said. You say, Brother Troy, you think you're right and everybody else is wrong? If they disagree with what I just said, yeah, yes. Yeah. Folks, you listen to me. 
Some churches had church at 5.30, like you all. So Lee Robertson said you got to have it at 7. He never said why, but he thought you had to have it at 7. <laughs> you know, I don't know. We always had it at 6, you know. I, I, I mean, some people, you know, they, they, just, they have the Lord's Supper, they let people watch, and some people have the Lord's Supper, and, and, and they ask all the visitors to leave, you know. Those things are preferences. Th- those things are the pastor has every right to lead the church as he sees fit. Take your head and go like this. Amen? Th- those things, you know, I mean, let's not fall out over little stuff. Or, 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 you know, the, that, that, there's a difference in between that and the foundation of our faith and practice, which is the preserved, infallible, inerrant word of God. And you listen to me. You, you, you might change the time of Sunday night service. It doesn't bother me, but you can't go around changing the Bible. <gasps> Once you start... What about that verse? <gasps> I heard the story about some mean little boys. They got to stealing watermelons out of the neighbor's watermelon patch. He'd go out there and the best watermelons he had is gone. About ready to pick them. You go out there and they're gone. <laughs> he said, I'll fix them. And he put a sign at the garden gate. One of these watermelons is poison. <laughs> he said, that'll fix them. He got up the next morning and walked out there and they'd scratched out the one and it said two of these watermelons are poison. <laughs> Little boogers. <laughs> the point is, if one could be poison, then two could be poison. If you don't know where they're at, all of a sudden, hath God said, and you put a question mark on every verse in the Bible. <gasps> you have put a question mark on every verse in the Bible. God help us. God help us. I believe the Bible is the word. Let me give you some things real quickly. And the, uh, uh, I believe the Bible is the word of God because I believe it. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is within him, Paul said. It's like how do you ride a bicycle? You just ride it. I, I believe that, that Jonah was swallowed by a whale until the whale got so sick of a backslidden preacher that he threw him up. <laughs> That's what I believe. And uh, nothing more, amen. But uh, they may pull up a carcass someday out of the bottom of the ocean of a whale and it might say Jonah was here on one of the ribs. That's not going to make me believe it more or less. I believe it whether they find that rib or not, amen. I believe that David killed Goliath. You know, I believe he took a sling and a stone and had four more. In case he missed, he's going to hit him again. You know, some people said he had four brothers. Whatever. That's one of them things, believe what you want to believe. But, but you listen to me. I can't prove that. I mean, I, I can't run the tape. It's aggravating nowadays to try to watch a basketball game. They spend half their time running the tape. Have you ever noticed that? You know, we'll figure out if it's a foul or not. We can't do that with David or, or Daniel in the lion's den or any of those things. But I believe it because I know of what God did in my heart. I know that it works. I know it's changed my life. I know the word of God has never failed me. And I believe it because I believe it. And that sounds like circular reasoning, I know. But I believe you that know the Lord, you understand what I'm saying by that. God puts that faith and that confidence in our heart. And we know that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. See what I'm saying? And we understand that. So I'm not trying to convince you that believe and understand that, but I find many things interesting when we look at the Word of God and, 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 and when we see how true it is, and you can see things. One thing is the scientific accuracy of the Bible. It's fascinating. It's just fascinating. The, uh, you say, is the Bible a science book? No, but when it talks about science, it's right. It's right. Amen? That uh, Skeptics and liberals, they say that it's not, but it is. 
Now, if you want to attack the Bible on scientific ground, just two things. Number one, know the Bible, and number two, know science. Amen? Old A.V. Henderson was on. Here, hear A.V. Henderson preach. When you get to heaven, look him up. Boy, that bird could preach. He, he, he preached about 18 minutes, and he'd sat down. Don't get no ideas. <laughs> but he, 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 was, he was incredible. He, he preached at Rain Heights one night, or there's still honey in the rock. I saw that guy could preach. He was sitting on an airplane, and there's a guy behind him getting drunk. And, and he got to cussing and laughing about Christians being so stupid as to believe the Bible when it's all full of errors. No, he's in front of him. I'm sorry, this drunk was in front of him. And uh, old, old Brother Henderson sat there and he listened to that and he listened to that and he listened to that. <laughs> he found, oh, all right. So he got out his old Schofield Bible and he stuck it in between the cracks <laughs> in the seats and he went, pow, 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 pow. <laughs> this old drunk, <laughs> what's wrong with you, you idiot? What's wrong? He said, Brother Henderson said, show us. Everybody on the airplane's quiet now and listening, you know. Show us. What do you mean? You've told every he talks real loud now. You've told everybody on this plane that the Bible is full of errors and you've got to be an idiot to believe it. He said, since we're all listening to you, show us. Well, I don't know exactly where it's at. Brother Henderson said, tell me the story or tell me the verse and I will look it up for you because I know the Bible. <laughs> tell me the story. Tell me the verse. Tell me the thought. I'll look it up for you. Then you can explain to everybody all these errors that you're saying in the Bible. He finally said, I don't know. Brother Henderson said, why don't you admit to everybody on this plane that you don't know what you're talking about? He said, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he said, down, shut up. He really did, you know. But you listen, you need to know both. I heard someone, they used to say that, you know, that the Bible couldn't be true because apples didn't grow in Mesopotamia. And how did Adam and Eve eat an apple if none grew there? The Bible never said it was an apple. Where does the Bible say it was an apple? And I've always thought maybe a grape, but that's just my thought. But for... for I, never mind about that. But anyway, and, uh, the, uh, so what if apples don't grow there? Somebody said, well, the, the, Noah or, or Moses, Moses couldn't have rent the Pentateuch because in that time, they, you know, language wasn't developed far enough. And then they found that there was a stone that they found. I can remember the tail armor or something. And they actually had a postal system set up where they were writing letters back and forth from Israel to Egypt during those very days. And they say it's nonsense. That uh, you you listen to me. That uh, the Bible simply is true. You need to know both of those. Uh, the Bible is not primarily a science book. It's not about how the heavens go, but it's about how to go to heaven. It's not about the age of the rocks, but the rock of ages. It's not about biology, the study of life, but it's about Jesus, the giver of life. But when it mentions science, it is always true. That uh, every single time, science changes all the time. The Word of God doesn't. It doesn't. And. <laughs> 1861, the French Academy of Science published, this is the title of it, 51 incontrovertible scientific facts that prove that the Bible is in error. Today, not one of those will be accepted by any scientist I know of anywhere in the world. They've all been proven to be true. That uh, what it says in the Bible is, is true. That, uh, you, know what the, you know what science was when the Bible was written? The Egyptians said that the earth is on five pillars, these big old posts, and it's holding us up. That's what they taught in the, seminar, in the, the universities. 
The Greeks said the world is on Atlas's shoulders. But there's this guy named Atlas and he's holding us up. This is what the, <laughs> they said it's true. It's really true. Hindus said that Hindus about the time of Job, they said the earth is on the back of an elephant that's on a tortoise, that's on a serpent, that's swimming in a cosmic sea. They believe that. They really believe that. The, uh, the Babylonians said that the earth is a creature. Trees are feathers, rocks are scales, and earthquakes are when the creature moves. They taught that in the, in the, in the, in the universities. And Job said, he hangeth the earth upon nothing. How did Job know that? Holy men of God spake, because they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how he knew. That's, uh, first graders know that today. Uh, that the earth is standing upon nothing. He used to say the world was flat. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. They all thought they was going to fall off the edge, you know. That uh, 750 B.C., Isaiah talked about the, the, the circle of the earth. The word circle there is the idea of sphere. How did Isaiah know that? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 150 B.C., Hipparchus, he said there's 1,022 stars. He counted them. Thousand hundred A.D. Ptolemy said there is not. There's a thousand twenty-six. <laughs> he had better eyesight. Thirteen hundred years later, a young boy named Galileo he fashioned a crude little telescope, and he looked through it, and he gasped. We know now of at least twelve octillion stars. There's not one octillion. There's more, there's less than one octillion grains of sand on this planet. All the beaches, all 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 over the world, there are at least we know of twelve octillion stars. But Jeremiah said the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered. How Jeremiah know that? Holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That uh, uh, sixteen hundred fifteen, William Harvey discovered the blood circulation. Y'all know how the president. Washington, they killed him. They bled him to death. They'd run to the barber and they'd cut him because they said he's sick, he's got bad blood. So barbers, would, I know some barbers still cutting people. <laughs> but they, they, they ran and they, they get the bad blood out and, and he'll make it and we killed him. But, uh, Leviticus 17, 14 said it is the life of all the flesh. That the life of the flesh is in the, no hematologist could say it better. How did they figure that out? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 14th century Europe, they had the Black Plague. One in four died. You could smell death. I mean, it was, it was, it was beyond horrible. And then someone read Leviticus 13 where the principle of the quarantine said if somebody's sick, you put them by themselves and you don't you let them be around healthy people and the, and the, and the plague will go away. That, uh, they finally figured that out. But yet God said the same thing in Numbers 19. He even said if you have to touch someone that's sick, you quarantine them and you wash your hands under running water. Not just water, running water. Why? Because of germs. Moses had never seen a germ. How did he know about that? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. It goes on and on and on and on. Bible, but there's a, uh, the Bible is historically right. That, uh, historically right. That's, uh, there's over and over. Daniel, Belshazzar's feast. and uh, They used to say that there was no Belshazzar. And then they found out there was. And that there was also a Nabonidus. And that is why Belshazzar told Daniel, I make thee the third ruler in the kingdom. That, that Nabonidus was gone all the time. I know I'm 
muddied the water right here but things that historians laughed at at the word of God for centuries and then you dig up one rock or one stone or you find one parchment and all of a sudden the same thing happens over and over and over again God remains true and men are the liars amen over and over and over again that uh it's historically accurate the uh I like the unity of the Bible think about it just think about it 66 books now think about it, 1,600 years in writing it. The writings came from 13 different countries. Now think about that. Three different continents, three different languages, two prominent ones and then a little bit of a third. Uh, Forty authors, shepherds, doctors, soldiers, kings, fishermen, scholars, historians, businessmen. And yet it all comes together in one perfect book complete unity now can we talk for a minute I'm, I'm 68 years old I've been trying to preach this book for about a half a century and can I share something with you you listen to me honestly as I try to keep studying I do not find discrepancies I find hidden beauties I do not find contradictions I find things that God had to be there there's something about the Bible. You listen to me. You pull a thread in Revelation and it wrinkles up in Genesis. Do you know what I'm saying? It's all one big book and it's really only got one author and that one author is the Holy Spirit of God. And nothing else makes sense. Those other authors did not have what the other guys had written. It'd be like us trying to write a story that made sense, but we weren't allowed to look at each other's work. Can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be comical. You know, but with the Word of God, it comes out perfect. Why? Because holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's uh, R.A. Torrey. He said, what if you took from 50 states and, and, and you, go, you, you get a rock from every state you go to florida and get coral and you go to georgia and get granite and you go to indiana and get limestone you go to coal kentucky and you get coal and you come together and all the pieces pieces fit together and it makes a monument and it's absolutely perfect and none of the people that dug up the rocks knew what anybody else was doing or the shapes that they were cutting if it went together and it all fit it had to have a mastermind holy men of god spake as they were moved by the holy ghost Think of fulfilled prophecy. You know why the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Muslims and the Shintos and all them, you know why they don't, have, they don't talk about prophecy? Because they don't want to look stupid. <laughs> Bless their hearts. I mean, I, I, I mean they, they, they know they don't know. But yet the word of God is not a bit afraid. Can you imagine a preacher in the 1930s preaching about Israel? Everybody sitting there looking at him. Israel, yeah, Israel. Coming back into the land. Yeah, right. You know, and the tribes coming together. Uh-huh. And a preacher, there's a real good doctor downtown, and he's doing wonderful things with emotional disabilities. And maybe if he'd visit him, I'd go, till 1948. That little boat pulled up on the shore of Israel. And they're speaking the same language, the same Greek today and, 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 and that was spoken in the New Testament and the, and the flag of the star of David is flying again over the land of Israel. And when that little crowd pulled up there and parked, it was surrounded by 40 million Arabs that said, we're going to kill you. 
but yet today it's one of the strongest nations on the, on, on the planet. The Jews are going back there. They don't even know why. They're just like a homing pigeon and they know that that's their home and God is blessing them exactly like he said he would and all of a sudden that preacher in 1930 don't look so stupid no more. <clears throat> Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Bible said in the last days knowledge would increase. I've got a brother-in-law that told me that my phone, I'm not a computer guy. My grandkids aren't they pretty? <laughs> I've got a brother-in-law that told me that there's more computer capability in my phone than in the computers that put the first men on the moon. I've been told that. Do you all know computers? Is that true? I see some heads nodding. <gasps> That uh, uh, but has knowledge increased? <laughs> Do you have uh, Israel back in the land being threatened by the North and Russia? <gasps> Do you have a million, an army of two hundred million that could come from the east toward Israel out of China? <gasps> I mean, do you have everything that the Bible says lighting up exactly like the Bible said would be thousands of years ago? How in the world? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That, uh, God help us. The fulfilled pro Some people say that, well, Jesus just arranged for all of that. How do you arrange where you're going to be born? <laughs> Unless you really are God the Son. And, and, you know, how do you arrange to rise from the dead unless you're who you said you were? How do you arrange what your enemies are The enemy's trying to discredit Jesus did exactly what the Bible said his enemies would do and really validated who he was. Why? Because holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Answered prayer tells me the Bible's true. I was over at the old Good Sam Hospital before it shut down. I was in ICU. I was talking to somebody. And uh, I was talking to him about the Lord. When I started preaching, when I was talking to somebody, when a doctor walked in, I just kind of backed off and shut up. But I, I got to where if I was talking to them about something they needed to hear, he can wait. Yeah. I'm talking to them about eternity, and he can probably have me kicked out of the hospital. But usually if they see that I really believe what I'm saying, most of them really nice, you know, and, and they, they really are. And he let me finish talking with this fellow. I was telling him how to be saved. He didn't get saved. But, but after I got done talking, that doctor, the surgeon, he walked over to me, and, and, he, and he said, he said, Reverend? You know, I never liked the term Reverend, but he, you know, he meant well. But anyway, he said, Reverend? I said, yes, sir. He said, I, 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 I've read this incredible book. And, and, and it says that, because I prayed with the guy, I guess, it, it says that the, the author really believed that prayer made a, a, a tangible, real difference in, in people's lives, that it really had, it could have physical, real implications. That, he said, do you believe that's true? <laughs> I said, what a question to ask a preacher. <laughs> you know? I said, I, I know it's true. <gasps> so, I know it's true. How do you know that? It's because it's happened in my own life. <gasps> Answered prayer. The ever-living quality of the Bible. It's been laughed at. It's been scorned. It's been ridiculed. It's been burned. Folks have died for it, but Vance Habner said the pallbearers, the corpse keeps outliving the pallbearers. <gasps> and there it is. <gasps> I forget his name now. A Roman emperor, he's had people put to death that they even caught with the Bible. Said it was gone. He got him some Bibles and he burned them and he put this big statue of himself, I believe it was, on top of the, of the ashes. And he said the, the, said, the Bible is extinguished from the empire. 
And then a few years later, Constantine came along and he looked for a copy of the Word of God and said, anybody that's got one, if you'd bring it to me, and within an hour, 50 showed up. <gasps> Why? Because it liveth and abideth forever. Amen? Thank God for the Word of God, the ever-living quality of it. That uh, uh, working These kids that's up here, now you think about this. <gasps> These kids up here, and perhaps in homeschooling, or perhaps if those in a Christian school, certainly in their Sunday school classes, and absolutely from listening to Pastor Burke preach. Now, you stay with me. They know more about what's really going on in the world today than the best news anchors at ABC and CBS and Spectrum TV and the rest of them all put together. They're all guessing at it, and these kids up here have a, a better knowledge of what's really going on in the world than all of them put together. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Why? Because holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the life-changing power of this book, it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I've seen it blow blood. I've seen it blow beer out of refrigerators. I've seen it blow curse words out of people's mouths. I've seen it blow hate out of fists. I've seen it blow discord out of homes and put back love and peace and joy and all those wonderful fruits of the Spirit. And you listen to me. Phil Donahue and Oprah and all the rest of them and all of the psychologists and all the psychiatrists, you listen to me. They cannot begin to begin to start to do what the Word of God and simple faith believing will do in lives and in families and in churches and in nations. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It is the word of God. We don't need to fix it. We need to obey it. <gasps> don't need to rewrite it. We need to reread it. We need to apply it to our lives and thank God for it. Understanding, I think, folks, we're going to be more and more, I don't know. I don't think we'd win many elections right now. <laughs> Even among people called Baptists. Amen? <gasps> You listen to me. When the, Jesus said, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? I'd rather be right with God than right with that crowd. <gasps> Amen? It's the Word of God. It has never failed you, not one time. <laughs> you have never found one error. What you thought you did, you was wrong. Amen? <gasps> it's done everything that it said it would do to this point. It's been faithful and true. <gasps> and thank God for the old black book. That, uh, I'm going to sing a song. <gasps> Let's sing a song. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your